Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the newest episode of the Going Long Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Neal. Week one is in the books. Oregon had a dominant 81-7 win over Portland State. Uh, unsurprisingly so, I would say. We saw a lot of starters play, a lot of true freshmen get in the game, and a lot of scoring with the Ducks breaking the modern era scoring record for points in a game at Oregon. We got a lot to talk about. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get into it. All right, there is a ton to get to today. Um, it is Sunday morning as I record this. We kind of digested the victory for Ducks in week one. Um, you know, got a lot of writing out, got a lot of opinions out. On the surface, um, the Ducks score 81 in a blowout win over Portland State. They had 729 total yards of offense. Uh, eight different players scored touchdowns. The defense led up an early touchdown in the first quarter on a, I believe it was an eight-play, 75-yard drive, but... Other than that, they went the final 52 minutes of the game without giving up a score, so you, you got to feel a little bit better about that. Um, Oregon had one punt on the day, only two penalties for 20, uh, I believe it was 20 yards on the day, and 22 true freshmen saw playing time. So um, just just with that on the surface, I think you feel pretty good about where the Ducks are um, after this, this week one game. Obviously, against Portland State, uh, an FCS school, and even at that, uh, not a great FCS school. I think Portland State was four and seven last year um, in the the Big Sky Conference is what I think they're in. So, um, you know, not a it's it's quite a bit different than what we saw from this team last year after Week One, where they went into Georgia and uh, kind of got the the doors blown off of them in a forty nine to three loss. So, um, not a not a ton that you can really take uh, take for certain away from this game. If you're an Oregon fan, I think um, you feel good about what you saw, but it's not like we we think that the Ducks are now this incredible, incredible team that's that's going to win the college football playoff or win the Pac-12 championship because of this game. Um, it's just, just because the level of, of talent, the level of opponent, it's just not enough for you to, to be convinced of that quite yet. I want to dive deeper on a few uh, a few key items from the game. If you're interested on duckswire.usatoday.com, uh, I've got several pieces up right now. Uh, one of them is my eight takeaways from the game. My biggest takeaways where I go go through the offense and defense and some key performances from players and special teams and coaching and and just talk about really what stood out to me the most. I'm just going to talk about a few of those here. For starters, I really want to talk about Ty Thompson. Uh, this may not be the most pressing item, but it was really important in my mind. Uh, quarterback Ty Thompson was 7 for 8 on the day for 50 yards and one touchdown. He also had two rushes for 25 yards. Um, he looked incredibly comfortable out there and he looked really poised albeit against portland state like i said earlier it's it's not like he's playing georgia's defense or even usc's defense or or us or uh, utah's defense but um you know for the first time i think that oregon fans can leave that game and say okay ty ty looked really good he was able to have command of that offense um he looked comfortable he was able to get some some bad snaps from the center and it didn't derail the play. He didn't, you know, panic. He, he set his feet and was able to find the receiver, deliver the throw. Um, a couple times he took off running, 
lowered a shoulder, lowered a shoulder a couple of times and, and really brought on contact and just, just looked like a comfortable physical player. Um, you know, what was really encouraging is that most of the times when we see Ty Thompson in the game, he's with the backups and he's in a end of game situation where they're just running out the clock and he doesn't have the playbook um, to run. He doesn't have pass plays called for him. He's just handing it off for three dives and then a punt, whatever it may be. So uh, that was different today. He was out there with mostly starters around him. He had all starting wide receivers, uh, running back Jordan James, who's technically the second or third string running back, but played like a starter yesterday. Um, and then he had most of the starting offensive line out there with him too. So this was a really good opportunity to see, you know, what Ty could do when he had all of the weapons at his disposal. Um, and I think he did a did a great job from from what we saw. This is what uh, head coach Dan Lanning had to say after the game um, about Ty's performance. I think that's a sign of what Ty's capable of, right? Ty performed exactly how we expect him to perform today, right? Did a really good job. Like I said, I think he first started his first drive off three for three, was really efficient, and had made some tough runs, played with some toughness, um, a quarterback that you love to see. Uh, and I think he proved to everyone that he can operate in this offense really well. So, I mean, in the end, this, this development doesn't really mean a whole lot for Oregon in 2023 in my mind because – you know, you hope that we don't see Ty again in 2023 unless it's because there's a, a massive blowout and it's a, a kill the clock situation and kind of just end the game and get out of there. Um, but really, this means a ton for 2024 and beyond. And also in the, the unfortunate case that if Bo Nix gets injured again and they need to put Thompson in there, I think in either of those situations now, Oregon fans and Oregon's coaching staff should feel pretty confident about their ability to put tie in the game and say, Hey, you've got the keys to the car. You can, you can go win us this game. Um, looking forward to, to next year, there's going to be a QB competition. Thompson's going to go up against Austin Novoset, who also played in this game. Also looked, looked pretty good. I'll, I'll be in a, a smaller sample size than Thompson. Then they've got two true freshman quarterbacks coming in next year. And who knows, they could bring in a transfer portal quarterback as well. So, um, I think that Ty had a good opportunity on Saturday and he made the most of it. I think that he probably, um, I don't know if I want to say gained a lot of fans, but got a lot of fans back on his side because I know after the last couple of years, uh, a lot of Oregon fans really started to doubt Thompson because of what he was able to do and, and maybe what he was not able to do on the field when we saw him. Um, when we saw him yesterday, he, he looked really good with that opportunity. All right, let's talk about some surprising starters. Um, you know, as media members watching some of practice and, and talking to coaches and players throughout fall camp and uh, spring ball and the entire summer, we project depth charts in the preseason and we kind of formulate what we think is the starting lineup is going to look like. We think we have a feel despite not being able to see a ton of practice and not seeing scrimmages or anything, but you know, it's our job to kind of look ahead and see if we can figure out what this team is going to look like. And I think most of us felt, I don't want to say supremely confident, but we had a decent feel for what we were going to see specifically on the offensive side of ball. And, um, you know, I, I think that most of us felt decent about what the defensive starting lineup would be like as well. Uh, that got thrown out of the window with the first defensive snap on Saturday. Um, the defense came out first, Oregon kicks, so defense was come out first. And man, that starting lineup uh, looked quite a bit different than what, what I expected it to. 
Uh, for instance, you had guys like Jake Shipley, Amarion Winston playing at the edges. You had Bryce Betcher uh, playing linebacker to start. Dante Manning was out there at cornerback. Brian Addison was out there at safety. All of those guys were starters. Um, this is not to say anything bad about any of them. They all played well, and they, you know, they they looked not out of place in those positions at all. I just would not have expected them to be starters. I could have, you could have told me any of them played in the game and, and we're going to have an impact and I would have believed you, but um, to start over guys like, you know, Brandon Dorless and Evan Williams and Triquas Bridges, um, you know, that's, that's notable for me. And I don't know if that's, you know, maybe a game one, those guys had really good fall camps. They got the starts and, who knows? The starting lineup could look completely different um, a week from now than it did yesterday. But uh, those are some names that I was just I was pretty surprised to see out there. Um, There's a lot of rotating, so obviously those guys didn't get all of the snaps and and all of the the load. But um, you know they were out there to start, which I think you know it means something. It's definitely not nothing. On the offensive side of the ball, it was a little bit more clear. Um, other than Patrick Herbert starting over Terrence Ferguson, which was a bit of a surprise. I mean, Ferguson got in the game shortly after the start, and um, he actually led the the tight end room in snaps, um, total snaps for the game, and in targets and catches. So um, I think he, he's still your, your tight end number one, despite the fact that Patrick Herbert started over him. But um, the offensive line really looked as we expected it. You know, that was probably the thing that in our death chart projections, we had uh, Josh Connolly left tackle, Marcus Harper left guard, Jackson Powers Johnson at center, Stephen Jones right guard, and then a Johnny Cornelius right tackle. And that's how it looked. Um, there are a couple guys, Nashad Struther, Junior Angulao, um, who could get into the starting lineup. Both of them are still dealing with injuries. Um, so I think that it, it may be a little bit before we see them get in there. What was interesting to me is that there were a few, you know, notable absences from this game. Um, maybe for the whole game or some of the game, uh, Brandon Dorless did not play the entire first quarter, but he did come in on the very first snap of the second quarter, which leads me to believe that, you know, it, it could have been some disciplinary thing that, you know, he, he was forced to sit the first quarter just from a coaching staff that can come from sometimes being late to a meeting or being late to a practice or, or missing a, a, you know, a workout or something like that. I don't want to say um, that Brandon Dorless is, is in trouble by any means, but you know, there's sometimes disciplinary things where, okay, he did this wrong. He's going to miss the first quarter of the first game. Uh, it's a little bit of a punishment. It doesn't hurt the team, but it does show some disciplinary acts. So maybe that's what happened with him. Um, I'm not really sure, but with him missing the first quarter and then coming in first snap of the second quarter, that's that leads me to believe that that's maybe what happened. I'm not sure. Um, more interesting though, Noah Whittington is someone who did not play any offensive snaps during the game. He was on the opening kick coverage. Um, and I, I believe that, you know, he actually got hit during that, uh, you know, that play. I don't know if that injured him, maybe rung his bell a little bit, but he did not play the rest of the game. I asked Dan Lanning, you know, after the game about Whittington specifically, um, and you know why he didn't play if that was planned what happened there this is what he had to say yeah no I'm not gonna talk about anybody that didn't play today um, but Noah's done everything right for us he's uh, done a good job we're just gonna be smart with our players another trio of guys who did not play that we probably expected to play safety Evan Williams wide receiver Chris Hudson and linebacker Mace Funa um, 
all three were dressed in full pads during warmups. Evan Williams stayed dressed in full pads throughout the game, but Hudson and Mace Funa, I actually don't remember seeing Hudson on the sideline during the game. I'm not sure what happened there. Uh, Mace Funa was in street clothes though. After once the game started after warming up, um, Evan Williams has a club on his right hand. So he's dealing with some sort of injury on that, but Despite that, he's had that club for the past, you know, couple of weeks at practice and has still been, from what we can see, practicing in full. So um, this is a situation like with what Dan said that I, I just played for you earlier. They're just they're being smart. They know that they didn't need all of their players to win this game. Um, not even close, to be honest. So um, I think they were just being smart. And if there's any guys that are anything less than a hundred percent, they're holding them out and making sure that they don't damage anything. And they're, they're as ready as they can be for Texas tech. Like I said earlier, it's, it's important to take everything that we saw on Saturday with a grain of salt because of the opponent. Um, You know, the initial belief was that we'd get a better sense of who this Oregon team is a week from now against Texas tech, but that's still actually a bit unclear at the moment as well. Texas Tech, I don't know if Oregon fans watched this game. It was probably as you were going, getting ready to go to bed last night, but Texas Tech lost to Wyoming in overtime on Saturday. The Wyoming Cowboys, who's, you know, they're, I, I believe that's a Mountain West team. Yeah. And they're, they're not projected to be great this year. Um, and Texas Tech struggled to put them away. They lost, and I think it was double overtime. Former Oregon quarterback Tyler Shuck had a decent game, but, you know, he didn't do anything that really scared you. So, um, yeah, the, the Red Raiders, they don't currently look like the top 25 ranked team that we expected them to be. Um, in one sense, that's, that kind of hurts this game um, for Oregon next week. You you expected a kind of a marquee non-conference matchup. Maybe it's lost a little bit of luster right now. Really, that doesn't matter too much in the end because thankfully for the Ducks, I mean, this is not something we've always been able to say, but the Pac-12 is so strong this year that if you go through the conference and you can win the games you're supposed to win and, um, you know, get out of the conference unscathed with one loss um, at the most, then I think you'll still be in a great position to, um, you know, to be in that college football playoff mix, to be in that Pac-12 championship mix. You don't need non-conference games this year if you're Oregon to boost your resume to a level where it's it's going to be respected on a national stage. You're going to get enough in the Pac-12 schedule to be respected and to show that you can beat really good ranked teams and really good offenses. So, um, you know, and on one hand, you would love that game against Texas Tech to be viewed higher from a national landscape but in the end it's not the end of the world and i think that um the ducks still should feel really confident about going in there none of this means that it's going to be an easy victory on lubbock next week you know that's a, a very tough environment to play in and they will be motivated to get back on the horse and not start zero and two but um it's safe to say that after watching that game last night i feel a little bit more confident about oregon's chances than i did a couple of days ago all right let's talk about some other uh pac-12 results just um i want to run through a few brief notes on the other pac-12 scores and games that i saw highlights of or watched over the weekend uh colorado has to lead all of the storylines they looked great and they were supremely entertaining on a saturday morning uh, 45 to 42 win over TCU, 510 yards for Shador Sanders, an incredible Heisman campaign for Travis Hunter began. Um, you know, this was interesting. We were 
this game was taking place in the morning while we were getting to Otson and while, so we were watching it up in the press box a little bit, but you know, it was, it was ending while Oregon's game was starting. So we didn't really get to see the end of it. That was probably the most exciting part of the game, but it was interesting that, you know, I had a quite a bit of FOMO watching, you know, Oregon's game and knowing that I was missing out on this great ending for a Colorado game, which was not something I thought would ever happen this year. I'll be completely honest. I know that, um, Colorado coach Dion Sanders calling out a lot of media members after the game saying, Hey, you did not believe I've got all these receipts. None of you guys believed. We told you that we were going to be this good. Um, you know, look who's laughing now. Hand up. I was one of those guys. I did not think that what he's doing at Colorado was going to be this impactful this early, but man, good for him. This is, it's incredible to watch. Um, I'm thrilled. I think that's great for the PAC 12 that they have yet another team and another quarterback and another group of skill guys and another coach in this conference this year that is just, you know, I don't want to say Colorado is elite or even a great team or even a, I, I feel safe saying they're a good team after what we saw, but who knows? TCU could be, could be bad this year. We'll learn as more goes on, but you know, it's just, it's great for the conference because um, in the last year of this conference, as we know it, um, you know, we're, we're really getting all of the fireworks and that just, you know, this emphasized that fact that, uh, we already knew that we had five or six really good teams in this conference. And now you throw Colorado in the mix. And like I said, they may not be really good, but man, they are entertaining. And Deion Sanders says a lot of things. He backed it up on Saturday. Uh, they looked really good. That was a lot of fun. And now going forward, that game in week four versus Oregon in Eugene, I mean, Deion Sanders, Shador Sanders, Travis Hunter, they come to Eugene. That just got way more exciting than it already was. I mean, the comments about uh, from Dan Lanning about Colorado, uh, Travis Hunter responded to those comments last week. There's there's already a lot of buzz for that, and I'm sure it's going to keep building over the coming weeks. Um, it's a potential ESPN game day location. I know there are some other good games that week that, um, the ESPN might go to instead, but it's at least an option and it's at least on the list. And I, I cannot wait for that game because it's going to be incredibly fun to watch. To nobody's surprise, um, both USC and Washington looked great in their wins this weekend. Uh, USC beat Nevada by a ton. Washington beat Boise State by a ton. Um, UCLA looked really good against Coastal Carolina um, last night in a win once Chip Kelly finally put Dante Moore in. Um, for those of you who didn't watch that, that was the late game last night. Dante Moore looked incredible. Um, you know, he had a couple of, of really, really nice passes. One freshman mistake where he threw an interception in the end zone, but you know, that's going to come with the territory watching him. I'll say this right now, watching, uh, Dante Moore with the Bruins is going to be a tough pill to swallow for the ducks, um, over the next coming years, because, you know, it's a, a, an incredibly small sample size, but he looks like the real deal. He's got an incredible arm on him. He's, um, you know, he can move around. He's mobile. He's, I think he's going to be a really, really good quarterback. And he was committed to Oregon for a long time. And he backed out once Kenny Dillingham left. And, you know, it's it's okay because Duck fans have Bo Nix right now. But, um, you know, down the road as, as these two trajectories go on and as Dante Moore continues to kind of blossom with the Bruins, I think that may be a tough one for, for Oregon fans to swallow because they had him for a long time and, um, unfortunately he got away so far this weekend. The PAC 12 is undefeated right now. Um, you got wins from every team on the slate. Oregon state has yet to kick off as I record this. I know once it gets posted, they'll probably be in the middle of their game. Um, 
Washington State's offense looked really good. Um, Cameron Ward threw for I think, 400 yards, 500 yards, something like that. I think four touchdowns. Um, the Cougars looked great. Cal and Stanford actually looked really entertaining offensively. I think Cal put up 56 points. Stanford got a nice win over Hawaii. Maybe their only win of the year. We'll see what Troy Taylor has uh, in stow for everybody. But, you know, it should be a really good year for this conference. And like I said, with Colorado, this is the last year of this conference as we know it. Um, you know, especially now with Stanford and Cal going off to the ACC. I don't know that I've been on the podcast since that news broke. I think it was on Friday morning. But, um, yeah. Uh, Oregon State and Washington State are the only two Pac-12 schools remaining now, so um, it's it's kind of solidified the end of the Pac-12. Um, but in this final year, we we're going to get a lot of fireworks. We're going to get a lot of fun. So um, I think this first week really showed um, what's in stow for all of us, and it's going to be a great year. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Thank you for tuning in and following along. I plan to come back on later this week, probably on Wednesday or Thursday, to look ahead to the Texas Tech game, preview that matchup, giving an update on some injury news if we get it throughout the week. Thank you guys for listening and following along. If you want to check out more of my work, you can find it all at duckswire.usatoday.com. Like I said, we've got a ton of post-game coverage um, from the Ducks win yesterday. We've got snap count takeaways, my biggest takeaways, um, social media reactions, Um, some of the, I've got a stock report up where I just go through, you know, which players, their stock rose the most, which players, the, the stock fell the most, obviously for this game, we actually didn't do any stock falls because no one played bad. I mean, there was, it's in an 81 to seven win, you're not going to have guys see their stock fall. So, um, if you want to go see any of that, we've got a ton of great stuff up at Duckswire. Follow me at Zachary C. Neal on Twitter. We will talk to you guys later this week. Till then, take it easy. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.